If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. This helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Truth in My Days podcast is sponsored by the Truth in My Days ministry. Welcome to the Truth in My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men. Hello all, my name is Moses. I just want to remind everyone that this is part 27 of a multi-part series. Today, Sonia will be interviewing John, but before that, I will briefly summarize what we've covered so far in the series, and then we will return to the discussion. The summary is as follows. The Gospel according to John is challenged by skeptics because it is so different from the other three Gospel books, presenting a clear picture of Jesus as the Divine Son of God and a clear picture of the Gospel of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Skeptics have long claimed that John was published late in AD 90s and that these elements are legendary elements that developed over a long period of time. However, these attacks are bogus. First, as we saw, even if John had been published in the 90s, that would still have it be within the lifetime of eyewitnesses who could confirm or deny these elements. People today can remember back to World War II times and the Holocaust. True, average lifespans were shorter in Roman times than today, but that was mainly because deaths in childhood and military encounters. Those who survived could expect to live as long as we do today. In fact, liberal scholars seem to realize this and originally claimed the Gospel books were written after AD 130 and John no earlier than AD 160. These dates were set forth by one F.C. Bauer on the basis of not evidence but philosophical musings about how Christianity might have come about. This is why it is so important for us to demand actual evidence for such claims. In this case, the discovery of a fragment of a manuscript of the Gospel according to John that dated to AD 125 at the latest proved that the supposed assured results of critical scholarship were wrong. Skeptical scholars were first to admit that all the Gospel books date to the first century, which does not allow for enough time for legends to develop and be incorporated into these writings. Legends do develop through the years about historical characters, but what we believe about Jesus was there from the very beginning. Furthermore, by pushing the Gospel books late, liberal scholars make Paul's letter the earliest New Testament writings. And there is nothing in John that is not already in Paul. Nevertheless, some evangelical scholars have been induced to even denying the historicity of the Gospel according to John and treating it as mere wisdom literature rather than historical narrative and even likening it to a parable that was not meant to be taken as history. These claims are being used by Muslim apologists to undermine the truth of the gospel message, and combined with other attacks on the gospel books by liberal scholars, can undermine even the resurrection itself. Nevertheless, despite the actual evidence, evangelical scholars side with the liberal scholars in dating the gospel according to John, somewhere between AD 80 and 100. And this is fed to Christians in the pews via study Bible notes and commentaries. Most of the scholars commenting on this have not studied the evidence directly, but are passing on the party line. And when we look at their reasons, we find them wanting. 
First, Jesus foretold Peter's death in John 21:19, but that does not mean John published his book after the event, since this was a predictive prophecy by Jesus, just as he foretold the destruction of the temple, and this was recorded by Matthew and Mark, who published their gospel books before the prophecy was fulfilled. In John, also, we see the fulfillment of prophecies by Jesus that had already happened were recorded by John in his gospel book. And there are two passages in the Gospel books, according to John, where the writer should have mentioned the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple if they had already happened, after John 4.24 and after John 11.50. The fact that it is not mentioned indicates this book was published before the events happened in AD 70, blithely asserting that the book was probably written in AD 80s and 90s is baseless. Meanwhile, suggesting that the book must have been so late because it presents such a high view of Jesus as a deity should be an unacceptable argument for an evangelical, as it is suggesting that such ideas were developed by the church decades later, rather than being an accurate portrayal of Jesus' self-revelation. Nor does which Jewish groups John does or does not mention help date the book. Nor does the fact that John mentions both names for the Sea of Galilee, since, as far as we can tell, the second name Sea of Tiberias was used before Jesus began his public ministry. Particularly troubling is the claim that Thomas's confession of Jesus as my Lord and my God in John 20, 28 was a repose to the imperial cult of the Emperor Domitian, who used that title for himself, indicating John was written after Domitian became emperor in AD 81. But that would suggest that John retrodicted these words into Thomas's mouth. In fact, such titles were used long before Domitian, and in this case of Jesus, are based on the Old Testament titles of God himself. Also, the claim that excommunication seen in John 9.22 only happened after AD 70 is false. We see such things even in the Old Testament. And what about the testimony of the early church fathers? We hear that they unanimously support the late date of the gospel according to John. But that is not true. There's plenty of testimony that John lived to an old age, but not that he wrote the gospel book late. There is no claim of this until Epiphanes in the 4th century, and his testimony is garbled and unreliable. No one else says this until the 9th century. So here is another example showing that evangelical scholars really need to be more careful about checking the actual evidence before making assertions. As we have seen, the lack of the mention of the destruction of the temple indicates the gospel according to John was published before AD 70. Furthermore, the fact that the editorial comment about the death of Peter foretold in John 21, 18-19 speaks of his death in the future and not the past. This indicates that Peter had not yet died, which puts the publication of the Gospel according to John to AD 64 or 65 at the latest. This is supported by ancient inscriptions in many manuscripts that tell us that this book was published 32 years after the ascension of Christ, which puts it to AD 64 or 65. Even though the manuscripts are relatively late, the widespread extent of the colophons suggests that they go back to the 3rd century. Furthermore, since the dates given in these colophons for the publication of Gospel according to Matthew and the Gospel according to Mark agree perfectly with the dates given by Eusebius, we should trust them for the dates of the Gospel according to John also. And, as we have seen, the year 64 to 65 given for John in the colophons dovetails precisely with the dates given by the internal evidence.
So why is the Gospel according to John so different from the Synoptic Gospels? It is because they are written to different audiences for different reasons. Luke in his prologue tells us explicitly that he's writing to a Christian reader, and Matthew and Mark, being so similar, are surely doing likewise. John, however, in John 20.31 tells us explicitly that he's writing his book as an evangelistic tract to persuade people to believe in Jesus. Naturally then, who Jesus is and how we can be saved must be the forefront in his book, unlike the Synoptic Gospels, and all attempts to deny that John wrote this book fail. Now we continue our discussion. There's also internal evidence that can tell us who, who wrote it. For example, the author of John doesn't ever mention himself by name. He refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. This disciple whom Jesus loved is mentioned several times in the book, and in chapter 21, verses 20 to 24, the disciple whom Jesus loved identifies himself as the one who wrote these things. So we know that the disciple whom Jesus loved is the author. Uh, Now, who is this? We can see mentions uh, by the name, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that he was there at the Last Supper in chapter 13, verse 23 onwards. He was at the cross with Mary, and Jesus committed Mary into his care. It's in John 19, 26 to 27. We know he went to the empty tomb, chapter 20, verses 2 to 9. And then in that last chapter, chapter 21, where seven of the apostles are out fishing and Jesus appears to them, he's there as well. Now, we also know, third point, uh, only apostles were present at the Last Supper, Mark 14, 7. And there were seven who were were in that fishing expedition to whom Jesus appeared in chapter 21. And we're told those seven are Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Thomas Didymus, Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, which are James and John, and two others of his disciples. That's what we're told. So the disciple whom Jesus loved has to be one of those seven. Now, he can't be Peter. We know he can't be Peter because in the Last Supper account, Peter is talking to the disciple whom Jesus loved. can't be Thomas. We read in chapter 20, verse 8, that the disciple whom Jesus loved, when he came to the empty tomb, he believed. Whereas we see with Thomas in verses 24 to 25, the same chapter, Thomas refused to believe until Jesus appeared to him at the Last Supper. So, the writer has to be one of the sons of Zebedee or two others of his disciples. Or Nathanael, who's also known as Bartholomew. So, you're down to those, those one, two, three, four, five possibilities. Please note that this is a multi-part series. If you have missed any episodes and would like to listen to them, they will all be available on our YouTube channel and on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can find the links to these on our website, truthinmydays.com, or you can look for Truth In My Days on YouTube as one word. Now, he's closely associated with Peter. In the other gospel books, we see it's John and James who are closely associated with Peter. This pushes us towards the sons of Zebedee. He was a significant apostle. Some of the the other ones, the the two other disciples, Nathanael, don't really seem to fit the bill. Another really 
interesting observation about the gospel according to John is he tends to be pretty specific in naming people. Simon Peter, not just Peter, not just Simon, Simon Peter. Thomas called the twin, Thomas Didymus, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee. And so he, he tends to give really long descriptions, detailed identification, so you know exactly who he's talking about. There's one person that he doesn't do that for, that the other gospel writers do, and that's John the Baptist. Matthew, Mark, Luke refer to John as John the Baptist. But in the gospel, according to John, he's never called John the Baptist. He's only ever called John. Why do you think that is? Well, Matthew, Mark, and Luke have to call him John the Baptist to distinguish him from John the Apostle. But since the disciple whom Jesus loved is what the author calls himself, John is never mentioned. The Apostle John is never mentioned in the book. There's no need to distinguish him from John the Baptist by calling John the Baptist the Baptist. It's enough to call him John. But that means that John, the one who's not mentioned, would be the disciple whom Jesus loved. So internal and external evidence both tell us, beyond any kind of reasonable doubt, that the gospel according to John was written by John the Apostle, the closest personal friend of Jesus, and an eyewitness, and it was published early, and it gives the authentic and true picture of Jesus, despite the best efforts of skeptics and liberal scholars to deny that, and it was written for a specific purpose. And that purpose is that you may know, you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. That's something that, unfortunately, so many people don't want to do. They don't want to acknowledge Jesus as Lord. And that's why it becomes essential to discredit this particular book, a famous doctor once said the very powerful and the very stupid have one thing in common. They don't alter their views to fit the facts. They alter the facts to fit their views. And that's what's being done in liberal scholarship about the gospel according to John. The facts are there. They don't want to alter their views to fit the facts about the truth of Jesus. And so they try to, uh, they don't want to alter their views. So they alter the facts by telling us, no, John wasn't written by John. Uh, John isn't trustworthy, John isn't historical, and all of those are false. It was written by John, it was published early, and it is authentic, and it is credible. And I wish evangelicals would stop playing into the liberals' hands by accepting late dates, and even some of them denying that it's historically accurate. Well, thank you, John Torres. Once again, we've seen that... You can't just accept something because someone is a PhD. You have to watch out for assertions and look for evidence. So I hope to hear more from you next time on another topic. All right. Thank you for the, the interview, Sonia. We'll talk again. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. If you like our content, please share this information with family and friends. It helps us a lot. We also would love to hear from you. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Truth In My Days as one word again. Truth In My Days as one word. No spaces in between. Or reach us by email at info at truthinmydays.com. You may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry. Our website is 
truthinmydays.com. Thank you.